Hey, it's Leon, house photographer, social media guy, and Purple Belt from Studio 540 in San Diego. Continuing on with our interviews of instructors at Studio 540 today, we have Costa Maltesos. Costa began his training at the Gracie Academy in Torrance, California. He had the privilege of training with the Gracie family and shared some amazing insight about what it was like to train with and in front of Eliu Gracie himself. We touched on the origins of Studio 540 and the contrast of training now versus the earlier days. I do hope you enjoy this episode. Costa, thank you so much for being with me today. How are you? Great. Nice to be here, man. Awesome. Uh, you know, a, a quick intro to why I wanted to do these interviews. You know, this, is, this has been a fun series so far, interviewing all of our black belts at Studio 540. And one of the reasons I wanted to do it was because, you know, as lower belts, we hold you all in high regard. We look up to you guys. You are our mentors, our instructors. Um, and our friends. And uh, I think that sometimes it's easy to forget that you were once a brown belt, a purple belt, a blue belt, a white belt, and you've made some mistakes along the way as well. So it's always fascinating to hear about the stories of my instructors and uh, the people that I'm learning jujitsu from. So with that, um, just tell the people who you are, your rank, and your lineage. Uh, my name is Costa Maltesos. Uh, I'm a black belt. I've been a black belt for about eight years now. I started late jiu-jitsu. And I uh, learned my jiu-jitsu from the Grace Academy, straight from the source. My teachers were Horion, Hiron, and Hanner. Mm, amazing. Uh, and yeah. Horion gave you your black belt? Horion gave me my black belt, yes. Yeah. So was, you've been uh, a black belt for eight years, which is basically how long I've been training jujitsu altogether. <laughs> so you were, you were a baby black belt when I was a white belt. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So what, how, how was, uh, so you spent a lot of time at the Gracie Academy. Did you start at the Gracie Academy? Yes. Okay. Uh, it, the truth, truth is that I went around to many places for a few years trying to decide where to go train jiu-jitsu. Mm -hmm. I wanted to start jiu-jitsu. Circumstances with work and family uh, never really allowed me to take a decision. Mm. So I was kind of uh, procrastinating. Uh, and, and I've been to a lot of places closer to my house at the time. Mm -hmm. The Gracie Academy was about half an hour away. And I'm like, uh, you know, I stopped by couple of times it was a very intimidating place really you walk into you walk to the academy and this is hoist coilers there wow you know, uh here on the henner were like still in middle school i think <laughs> fabio santos was in there that day wow tough guys yeah and i'm like no maybe not here maybe i'll find a smaller place <laughs> so i kept putting it off like uh no maybe i'm not ready mm -hmm. i had long work hours uh, mm -hmm. I have a family, of course, wife, kids, young kids. Right? Maybe I'm not in just go, you know, like next month or next year. Mm -hmm. So I took the decision in 2002 and like, I said to myself, listen, I'm going to go train and I'm going to go to the best place. I'm not just not going to just look around for anything else. Right. And I, I mean, got in my car and did it. <laughs> you did. So you just committed. Was there anybody who helped you make that decision or was it just something that you finally decided to do all on your own? Uh, to be honest, the guy who helped me stay, I mean, go there mm -hmm. was uh, my father. I used to talk to him. He had cancer at the time. Uh, the same year, 2002, when I started training, he passed away. Mm. And he is the one who said, don't just say it, just go and do it. Yeah. You keep, you keep telling me about this amazing place that you want to go train. Stop telling me about it. Just go. <laughs> you know, my father was like old school tough, like either do it or shut up. <laughs> I love it. And I'm like, the man is right. I'm just yeah. going to go. Yeah. I mean, you know? some, would, some would say, 
you know, what better place to train than with, you know, that second generation of the jujitsu royalty, right? But what were some of the things that were going on in your mind that, that made you feel intimidated at the time? Well, I was a big guy at the time. I was powerlifting a lot. And here I am walking into a place with a lot of small people. I remember Hiram, which was my main instructor throughout the first 10 years of training. Mm-hmm. Back then, he was just finished high school, right? And he had a, uh, a girlfriend, an Asian girl, uh, Diana, I think her name was, a small frame, about 110 pounds girl. Mm-hmm. And she used to just armbar me and choke me all over the place. <laughs> and I was devastated. I'm like, there's no way. I, yesterday, I bench pressed 400 pounds. Yeah. Today, I'm fighting for my life from <laughs> this little girl. What <laughs> rank was she? Girl, <laughs> I'm sorry. What rank was she? She was a blue belt. It was a blue belt. Wow. A blue belt. Wow. You know, and it was just an example. There were bigger right. guys that I expect them to give me a whoopass, you know, but mm-hmm. that little girl and other smaller guys, I'm like, yeah, I can lift this guy with one arm. <laughs> wow. But it was a great challenge, though, at the time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Heron was always encouraged to say, you know what, I see you're frustrated. Don't be frustrated. We've we all been there. Mm-hmm. It's going to get better. Uh, the first month, I can tell you, like, mentally, I quit four times. Wow. Like, I'm not going back. Screw that. I don't yeah. need it. I'm just yeah. going to go to the gym. <laughs> but then, you know, let me try one more time. Let me just finish the month because mm-hmm. I pay for it and see how it goes. Yeah. And I, I got a little stubborn and obsessive about, hey, man, I just, if these guys can do it, I can do it. There's yeah. no way I'm going to get bit, you know? <laughs> How did you originally find jujitsu? Uh, when the first UFC came out, yeah. I watched the tape, not, not the day of the, of the event, but a month later. Sure. I got my hands to that tape. UFC mm-hmm. one. At the time, I was doing Taekwondo and Hapkido. Oh, really? I didn't know that. And everybody said, you, got, you have to watch this. You have to watch I'm like, yeah, whatever. So I'm watching the tape and see that this skinny dude, <laughs> <laughs> man huddling everyone yeah. in there. Yeah. And that it looked pretty nice, pretty good. Mm-hmm. But I didn't, you know, it was, I mean, I started 10 years later after that. But it was wow. always in the back of my mind. Sure. Man, Zizic, and then UFC came, you know, you started watching UFC. Yeah. And I'm like, can these guys do all that? Is that possible? Yeah. Because I trained Zizic when I was in the Greek military, and it wasn't that effective, you know? I mean, mm. I got my ass whooped, you know, on the street in fights. Mm-hmm. Can these guys have the secret to the perfect martial art? Yeah. You know, it was always in the back of my mind. <laughs> yeah. So, how many years did you train other martial arts? Well, I have about uh, 25 years in total of training in various martial arts. Uh, you know, here and there. Yeah. And I, I really like them. Yeah, I always liked martial arts. I took a break before Jiu-Jitsu because I had a lot on my mind, you know, young kids, like I said, long hours. Uh, and I wasn't going to go back. I was always, you know, a good uh, going to the gym, just so off biceps, you know, and mm. bench press heavy, walk around yeah. heavy, you know, and look, looking tough. Yeah. It was good for my ego, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And uh, after that, I'm like, you know, I took the decision. Yeah. I'm really curious what it was like at the time among your Hapkido friends when they started looking at this UFC tape and started analyzing jujitsu, I mean, what, what were the conversations like about it? We, we asked my teacher. My teacher is a Korean guy. I don't remember his name. He was very high ranked, 10th degree Taekwondo. Yeah. A very tough, short dude. Very tough. So we said, uh, did you see the tape? He said, yeah. I'm like, what do you think about it? Uh, it won't work against Taekwondo. I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> because it looked like it did work against strikes of all kinds. Sure. 
and he will come in and say, no, if this kind comes in, I Taekwondo this way and neutralize him. Like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I have my doubts. <laughs> then my friends, my friends say, you know what? No, we can handle ourselves. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well, I don't want to find out, but I do in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, at the time we lived in San Francisco. And when we moved down back to uh, Southern California, I'm like, huh, here's a chance to find out <laughs> yeah. Yeah. if Taekwondo Hapkido can handle Jiu Jitsu. Yeah. Uh, no, and as it? tough as they are, you know, I mean, there's some guys amazing in Taekwondo and Hapkido, amazing guys that I met. Sure. I was not one of them. <laughs> isn't this an interesting concept though i think don't all martial arts feel like their martial art is the best yes absolutely you know i never felt that way practicing karate taekwondo hapido, you know all the things that i've practiced life i just knew that i was just practicing i see you know and as a young man, I, I test myself against the others, and I do well sometimes, sure. and sometimes not, really. Right. You know, you just know that you're just practicing, try to stay in shape. Mm-hmm. I never thought that what I practice is superior to anything. Mm. The teachers, on the other hand, said, yeah, no, sure. we have the best thing. Right. As they should, you know, I mean, yeah. if you hear your teacher say, no, what I do is crap. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. No, you're right. If you're going to dedicate your life to something, you know, martial arts is something that takes a lot of dedication. It's not something that you, you know, if you're going to go and have a school, it's not something you can do once a month, right? You're going to do it every day or every couple of days. It's going to be something you put a lot of time into. And so in order to, to do that, you have to truly, really believe deep down that it is the most effective, um, in whatever situation. I think a lot of martial arts think that they have the best uh, martial art for self-defense. Um, yes. And so what do you think separates jujitsu from any other martial art um, other than the kind of like UFC proven facts of, of it all, but what do you think and what, do you, what have you experienced in training at the Gracie Academy and analyzing street fights and being in street fights? What do you think sets it apart? Well, practices jiu-jitsu, you don't have to be an athlete. Mm. You don't have to be athletically you know, gifted. You don't even have to train that hard. Mm-hmm. You have to show up and you have to spar, basically. That makes you better every single time. And then it gives you the great confidence. And you know that what you learn, you can translate in the fight. Right. Uh, I think that's the effectiveness of jiu-jitsu. Mm. Uh, obviously, being athletic athletically gifted and be in shape and take care of yourself really helps, mm-hmm. right? But a guy like me that started late training Jiu-Jitsu, I knew and I test myself a few times and it was, it's a very effective uh, art. I can, yeah. I can guarantee that. <laughs> yeah. Did you get into street fights before Jiu-Jitsu and then also after Jiu-Jitsu? I say, you know, not really street fights, but you know, I got into fights before Some altercations, yeah. And I was always going for a fight. Mm-hmm. Once I started training jiu-jitsu, I stopped doing this. Yeah. I knew in my head, like I was a manager in a restaurant in Laguna Beach, and we had a lot of midhead, you know, mm. guys come in all drunk, mm. put their face right into my face, and you know, yeah, and challenged me, and I knew that, nah. Eh, I can destroy this guy. I don't care about this. His <laughs> yeah. big pecs, muscles, mm-hmm. he, the way he moves and the way mm-hmm. I can handle myself, all I have to do right now is keep my distance. Yeah. If he comes down to, I will destroy him, but I don't have to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was a big change. Yeah. That was never me. Yeah. I've changed probably second, third year into Jiu-Jitsu training. Mm-hmm. I started thinking like that. I started, you know, thinking like Jiu-Jitsu guy. Sure. That's interesting. I remember watching the um, behind the scenes of some martial arts movie. It was a, certainly a Kung Fu type of movie, a Kung Fu based type of movie. And um, I remember watching the subtitles of this. Uh, I think he was a fight choreographer. 
and he had said something to the effect of, um, you know, the, the, the more mature martial artist you are, the better you, the better peacemaker you are. Um, basically saying that it's not the tough guy, you know, it's not the martial artist who's going to be the tough guy and start fights. The martial artist is probably the most likely to break up the fights or to avoid the fights or defuse a fight. Would you agree with that? Most definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. And it came time that I had to go in between and mm -hmm. stop a fight. Mm -hmm. And my friends or, uh, you know, my employees told me yesterday, what, what, what are you doing this, man? You're in the middle of a fire. Yeah. I mean, if these guys were going for it. Yeah. They would, you're probably going to get knocked out. You were in the middle of it. Yeah. I'm like, but they didn't. Mm -hmm. I was really able to neutralize it. Yeah. And I, not because I care about the guys. <laughs> but to me, it looked the stupidest thing ever. Two guys intoxicated. Yeah. They're going to have to start a fight or nothing. So I got in with great confidence, mm -hmm. which was surprising to me too. Yeah. And I was able to defuse fights. Uh, and it came very natural, you know, and very easy to me mm -hmm. at the time. Mm -hmm. But it's true. Yes. Yeah. You said a couple of times that you started jujitsu a little later in life. How old were you when you started training? It was 36. 36. Mm -hmm. 36 year old. I mean, oh. for the today's standards, yeah, well, not really old, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. But you walk, in, walk into a room with about 20 year olds. Yeah. Yeah, I was the grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have some, some regret? I mean, I remember as a blue belt, as a purple belt, thinking, you know, man, I've been at this for, I remember when I hit the four year mark, I think it was when I hit four years, I thought, you know, it took me four years to get the courage to start training. If I had started four years ago, I'd be in eight years and just think of how much further along I'd be right now. Did you have any real moments of regret of like, of waiting to, to start? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I had regrets of not discovering it earlier, mm -hmm. you know, because it's not just another martial art. Mm -hmm. It's like a, it's a lifestyle. Sure. It's a life changer, changing uh, art. Right. And I was in my forties, well, my forties, wanted to compete, you know, at the adult division, which I'm at the 30 mm -hmm. and thinking, man, what if I was like 28 years old right now? Right. And, what I know as a purple belt, I would be like definitely in better shape. Mm -hmm. uh, and that, that would be really, really fun. Yeah. Training is easy to, yeah. you know. But, you know, everything happens for a reason, you know. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I started at that age because that's when I took the decision. Uh, mm -hmm. And I don't regret it. You, mm -hmm. know? you were ready for it at that time. The, I was. Mm -hmm. I was the strongest. I was very wise. Uh, if I had started using it at 20, I would probably be in jail. I don't know. <laughs> 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 no, I'm just saying, you know, I, I, was, I knew what I had in my hands and I knew that I was an eternal student mm -hmm. and I had to use what I learned wisely mm -hmm. and I had to just make it to the dojo. I had to make it to the academy. Yeah. Every time. Mm -hmm. And that was my goal. Mm -hmm. I'm curious about what it was like in the early days for you, your white belt and blue belt days at the Gracie Academy in Torrance with kind of all these legends of our sport kind of walking around, bumping into them at any given moment. Do you have time? Did you have opportunity to train with them quite a bit? Were they more exclusive? Were they, you know, really friendly and, and out there and accessible? Talk on that, on, on the early days for you there. Well, I started Jiu-Jitsu right at the moment when the big separation came at the academy. Uh -huh. uh, the, I mean, everybody left at the time. All the big names left. Of course, they were visiting and training from time to time. Mm -hmm. But the only main instructors were here on the Henner. Okay. And I started when they were brown belts. Mm -hmm. Okay. Corian was not teaching that much. Uh, he will come in and teach sometimes. Same with Helio. They all bend wow. himself who come wow. in and teach sometimes. But 
you know, and, they, and what did that look like though? What did that look like though? He didn't speak any English, right? Yes. And so he, he would teach a technique and someone would translate. Have you ever feel, had a feeling that somebody's speaking in the room and everything, everybody else, like, like the world Westerns, everyone that was like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because we didn't understand a word, but we knew something important was, was told, you know? Yeah. Uh, he used me once, I remember, as a, as a uki, as a, mm -hmm. uh, to teach, you know, yeah. to jump in, you know, in the middle of class and say, no, you don't do it right, I guess. He don't, I don't know. And he grabbed my collar. He was about 90 years old, right? So <laughs> wow. he's holding my collar with one hand yeah. and with the other hand explains yeah. what they should do in Portuguese. Yeah. The boys, you know, the Huron brothers, they're listening. And I, I, the the collar started getting tight in one side of my neck, mm -hmm. and I start seeing stars. <laughs> I'm like uh, this is not going to end up well, but I, I was too embarrassed <laughs> to say anything. Sure. <laughs> and then Hiron, you know, you know, saw that and he told him Portuguese. He's about to sleep. This guy just let him go. <laughs> and I was like, who? <laughs> who? This old man has a strong grip. <laughs> yeah. But I remember him being all about the technique, hmm. besides the fact that he emphasized self-defense. Mm -hmm. If there's his YouTube class, he has no application in self-defense, just there's no, it's not a class. Mm -hmm. And second, he hated seeing students sparring really hard. Really? Like going at it, going at mm -hmm. it, you know? Yeah. Some guys, they saw like zero technique, but they were all committed to kill each other yeah. Just because the grandmaster was watching. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Despite that, he hated that. He would jump in or call here and say, you know, stop these guys. What are these guys doing? Wow. I mean, sparring is learning. What are these guys learning right now? Mm. You know, they're trying to take each other's hair off. And I see zero result of this sparring. At the mm -hmm. end of the sparring, this guy's going to be beat up and tired. You know, and Hiron would come over and translate and say, okay, guys. The grandmaster said, cut it out. Wow. <laughs> wow. What you learn in class, try to apply it. Try to do technique. Yeah. Um, it was good days. You know, I really value, not, I didn't know back then, you know, you take it for granted, of course. Mm -hmm. you know? What belt were you uh, uh, when you saw him there usually? Like a blue belt? I was a blue belt, yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was a quick blue belt. I got mm -hmm. my blue belt in uh, less than six months. And back in the day, you had to kill somebody to get promoted. <laughs> so, so I was very aggressive, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was very aggressive, trying to attack everyone, mm -hmm. trying to overpower them, you know. Mm -hmm. It wasn't much of technique that I had. Yeah. I had a lot of aggression, but uh, I didn't know any better because the higher belts, they were just beating the crap out of me. Mm. So I was trying to survive, basically, and pay back the, the favor, you know? <laughs> and that's how you get noticed at the time. Back then, mm -hmm. that's how anyone, any instructor start paying attention to you and who you are and what you can do. Mm -hmm. All these things change now. I mean, if you walk to the Gracie Academy or Gracie University as it is today, there's no better place. There's no better instruction, I believe, anywhere. Mm -hmm. Been to many places. You and I have witnessed Lots of guests coming to Studio 540. Yeah. The seminars, we met mm -hmm. them and we know they're great champions, you know, but not everybody's a good instructor. Exactly. Right? Right. I mean, I was surprised that two people that stood out from the seminar guys that came and taught was, to me, was Cobrinha mm -hmm. and Cayo Terra. Right. They had the ability to teach and relay what they were trying to, to teach us. Mm -hmm. Very nice and clear, and mm -hmm. it was like excellent, excellent instruction. But right. everybody else, mm -hmm. you know, there's no better instruction. Now, at Studio 540, we had a variety of instructors. Sure. And they're all like excellent in their own way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so, somebody you know, on, on that topic of, of superstars who might be great athletes and accomplished athletes, but may not be great um, instructors. Somebody who absolutely breaks the mold on that is Leticia Hibero. 
she is someone who, uh, you know, even at times, you know, in the middle of class, she'll be like, wait, how do you say, like, she'll ask us, like, how do you say this? You know, like she'll like forearm or elbow or something, you know? So she, you know, she still maybe struggles to find the words. However, she's an accomplished athlete, proven, and she's an incredible instructor, kind of like you were talking about with Elu Gracie, how when he spoke in the room, everyone kind of stopped to listen. I feel like, you know, Letitia also kind of has that type of vibe too, where when she speaks, she has an intensity, a clarity in the way that she demonstrates everything. And you're right. There are a lot of people who are, you know, incredible on the world stage of jujitsu. But when it comes to instruction, it's a different set of talents altogether. Now, you and I were very fortunate because uh, uh, Robert Zepps, when he started, uh, the training spot over there, it was like a Gracie certified before became right. you know, 540. Right. But when it became 540, he brought in some of the best. You yeah. Know? I mean, yeah. Like, we can't forget the influence we had from Joel Tudor. Joel Tudor, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. amazing, you know, uh, athlete mostly, very intense, mm-hmm. uh, straight to the cut to the chase, excellent right. instructor. Yeah. Then you have, I mean, my favorite. Instructors at the time is right now at 5:40. Guys that I love to take, you know, classes from. Now that Jeff Hicks is gone, <laughs> <you know. laughs> yeah, uh, it's John and Jessica Roth. I mean, right. I, I love the instruction. Mm-hmm. The instruction is clear. Yeah, to the point. I mean, yeah. you know, they peel that onion. All the layers are off, little by little. They make you understand everything. That's right. I don't mean that you know everyone else is not excellent. You know, mm-hmm. no. again, you know. We have Andre, we have Aaron, we have Jake. Sure. Right now we have uh, uh, Richard, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's like, you know, anything in life, really. You have, um, you know, there's different flavors for everybody. You know, there are instructors who teach a certain game or a certain style um, that appeals to certain people and it might not appeal to other people um, or might not has, have the same um, might not resonate with them in the same way. I mean, you brought up something interesting. I think that, you know, for the people at Studio 540, the members at Studio 540, I think most of them probably know that we started out as a Gracie certified training center. Some probably don't. And I think that there, you know, are even more people out there who um, maybe have never been to Studio 540. They've just seen us on social media and things like that. Maybe they didn't realize that we were a Gracie certified training center. That's really where we had our roots. And then, um, you know, we were very much, I remember going and being there for about a year before we became Studio 540. And we were really focused on the Gracie combatives. And at the time, our instructor was Mario. I think when I joined, he was a blue belt. And I think you were still in living in Long Beach, but you would come down and be part of what we were doing every now and then. And that's how I kind of got to know you in the earlier days. And um, so I think when I met you, I was a blue belt. And uh, we were very focused on the, the, the uh, Gracie combatives and the you know, basics of jujitsu. And, um, and yeah, and then we became Studio 540. At one point when Rob, if, as I remember it, Rob was looking to create a place that was not necessarily a single focus or a single lineage, but he wanted it to be a broader um, you know, set of uh, influence and a place where he could explore jujitsu on a greater level. And um, that experience was really interesting for me. I remember coming from the Gracie uh, combatives and the, the, you know, the, the structured curriculum that they had to what seemed like absolutely free form learning jujitsu in a way where there wasn't really a curriculum anymore it was more like okay what do you guys want to learn today (laughs) sometimes you know you'd have someone walk on the mat and be like all right um what am i teaching today and while i didn't i think that it was still top quality technique and top quality teaching it was interesting for me to have you know a reverse experience where for me, I was learning something that was very detailed and very outlined, and, and it was something you could read in an outline form. Um, so I want to know, in the early days for you at the Gracie Academy, was it that structured or was that structure something that was built over time? Did you watch that evolve? 
uh, the, yeah, I did. The structure, you know, came, you know, evolved over time. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the early days, to get promoted, you had to kill somebody. You know, <laughs> just disable someone, put them like, <laughs> you know, out for a month. And then... Uh, but wait, I thought, I thought you said that Elliot didn't want you guys to train so hard. So you guys trained hard when he wasn't in the room? <laughs> absolutely. 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 <laughs> we, and the ego got on the way and, mm-hmm. you know, you react to the kind of pressure that it was, you know, upon you. You, you, you yeah. want to push back, right? And sure. that's what it was. You know, yeah. Horian did not promote that. He, he didn't like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when it came to sparring, I remember just us killing each other. But that changed relatively, you know, quickly. You know, mm-hmm. the, the genius Henner, you know, uh, saw the value of structure, you know, written down, mm-hmm. detailed instruction. And here on Henner, they applied this really quickly. Mm-hmm. And it was, I mean, I loved structure. I, I, I do love 540, you know, the 540 when it started, mm-hmm. it was a great change for us. Sure. I loved it. It was huge. Uh, but I, I, I like structure, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. I like knowing what this month, what the curriculum is, you know, this month, yeah. this week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Today I'm working in, I know what's going on. And something that I can actually repeat over and over and refine mm-hmm. and better myself that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, again, you know, Robert, the visionary, you know, uh, guy that he is, uh, the open-minded visionary, saw that San Diego needs something more than that. We can't just have a certified center. So he uh, created, you know, he and Joel Tudor that built 540 the way it is. I mean, it's not just a great place. Mm-hmm. We we kind of spoil, you know. We have like we go we work in a great studio. Yeah. And it's like a gentleman's club, you know, it's a clean place, right? Hours, uh, clean mats, three mats, you go stretch in one mat, the construction of the other. Yeah. You want to go hard, you know, sparring, go to the far, you know, right mat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all those students, all these teachers that came in, they had a great value. You yeah. know what I like the most about 540? Mm. Robert Zepps know so many, knows so many people. Yeah. You walk like in the Monday morning, you walk to class and there's Jose Gracie teaching. Yeah. <laughs> this guy came from. <laughs> What's going on today? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And we had a lot of those days that superstars came in, came to yeah. town, right. and they came to visit Rob and mm-hmm. they taught a two hour seminar yeah. or a class right. out of the blue. Yeah, you, I, you, I really I like those. I mean, you you mentioned you know how much it changed for us at Studio Five Forty when we uh, became Studio Five Forty, <clears throat> and you're absolutely right. I remember being a Gracie CTC, and there were basically the same four or five guys in class every week, and I think I trained you know, maybe three times a week because our schedule was pretty limited. We didn't have a lot of classes. You basically had a midday class or an evening class, um, you know, after the kids' classes or something. And as I mentioned, uh, Mario was our main instructor. And when you would come down, when, when you would come to town, you would certainly take over class. And that was like, um, I remember that being like a real cool moment. Like, oh, wow, we got a black belt to teach us today. And so I think that's one of the reasons why I've never taken it for granted what we have at Studio 540 because I remember what it was like when, you know, our instructor was a blue belt and then when he got his purple belt and then to have an occasional black belt come down and teach us, you know, straight from the source, from, from Gracie Academy. And, um, and to, to now where I look around the room and I might see four or five or six or more black belts on the mat at any given moment. Um, you know, so I, I really try to take those moments in and enjoy those moments um, and, and really savor them because I remember what it was like when, <clears throat> I mean, I'll be honest, it was kind of boring. It was kind of boring when we only had the same four or five guys and Mario is a great instructor, but when you have only four or five training partners, you all kind of figure out each other's game. You all know each other's tricks and you're all kind of doing the same thing. 
And so uh, it, it got to a point where I felt like I need another source of inspiration, another source of learning. I was eager for more. And that's when we happened to become Studio 540. Joel's team joined over and everything. And you had mentioned uh, also about the structure or lack of structure. One thing I noticed, uh, so for those who may not know, uh, Studio 540 did change ownership, uh, you know, January 1st of 2020. And um, one of the things that I did enjoy is that there was a unified um, theme for instruction. Pretty freeform still, but I, I think the thing that was Im implemented was um, pretty unique and, and um, pretty cool, actually, where this week would be focused on closed guard techniques. This week would be focused on mount techniques. This week is focused on, you know, and so on. And um, so what I liked is that even um, in the short period we had to train in 2020 so far, <laughs> being we can't have, we can't go train right now. Um, in that short period that we had to train, um, I liked that I could go to a class during that week and have different instructors, but they're teaching their perspective on closed guard or their perspective on passing. Um, which I felt like a very rich experience and and a unified experience. I felt like instead of being super laser focused on specific details or specific techniques, it was more open-ended where the instructors had the choice to choose what they wanted to teach from that position. Um, what do you think you've learned the most from? I mean, there's different styles of classes. There's There's some classes that are very philosophical, very um, analytical. And then there are other classes where it's like almost like the drills for the technique are just uh, an extended part of warm up, And then you have a lot of sparring. Where, where do you think you learned the most along the way as far as the type of classes that were being taught? Well, I, I enjoy the variety. Sure. I enjoy going in and start with a warm up, you know, and Work, work into the technique. I, mm -hmm. I enjoy drills. I love it. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, coming up, you know, at the Gracie Academy, of course, there was a lot of self-defense oriented sure. classes, which I love. I love self-defense classes. Uh, and that's what I teach when I teach. Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, you won't find me ever teaching a burning ball, ever. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I've done a couple of times. It was fun, but no, you won't see me mm -hmm. teaching that. Mm -hmm. Not because I'm an old timer, but I don't see the practical application. Mm -hmm. the competition is excellent, you know. Sure. But I like the variety. The variety yeah. is uh, a plus, a great plus. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to make a little uh, parenthesis. I want to mention Mario and the influence Mario had in all of us. Yeah. You know, because it was Mario that helped me be a better teacher. By the time mm -hmm. he was a blue belt, and he was a way better teacher than I was. Mm, I'm like Mario, yeah, that's great, man. How do you do that? Yeah. He says, once you go take the certified instructions, you know, uh, certification, sure. you know, yeah. at the Grace Academy. Yeah. And then we talk because uh, what you <laughs> teach is great. I respect that. But you don't have the structure to teach the way you should, you know. Yeah. I understand yeah. your knowledge. Mm -hmm. and, and he was like, at that point, he was also a mentor to me. Mm. You know, I mentor him, I, try, I help him come up the ranks he actually put me straight you know the, the german you know <laughs> yeah. thinking like no you have to learn the right way yeah you know? yeah and that was great and that's how it is if you taste your students come from the first day first step do it right don't worry if you fail just come up this class is going to go slow because you're a beginner but a month from now you're going to jump into a class that has a, a long warm-up and drills. Mm -hmm. And there's also value to that. Sure. You mixing up your training, you are building up strategy and stamina, but also you have the knowledge of how to slowly go about and apply every one of those nice moves that we learn. Mm -hmm. uh, if it was just slow for a year, we won't have any students left. Students would go, you know, at sure. places. Yeah. But you go in, like I said, on a Monday, mm -hmm. it's a, maybe an intense class. Tuesday is very mellow, low-key yeah. class. 
you work in Wednesday and you run like sprints, basically. Yeah. yeah. And I, I love this variety. This is sure. excellent. I love it. Yeah. I like that variety too. And I, I think it's pretty apparent that, uh, you know, just watching white belts come in, you know, new, new people come into Studio 540. It's apparent that there are those who learn best from just being thrown into the deep end. And there are those who learn best from having a very structured, methodical and slower paced type of instruction. And I think you got to, you know, as a gym, you got to kind of offer both uh, to, because people have different needs. And, you know, as far as 540 is, you know, we're, we're trying to be kind of a universal type of, you know, jujitsu um, club where anyone with any kind of previous background um, can come and train. And it's amazing. Uh, mm -hmm. It's Go pretty ahead. amazing to watch white belts grow. Mm -hmm. There's nothing more satisfactory, you know, uh, mm -hmm. rewarding mm -hmm. to watch that. A guy comes from nothing. Yeah. And he's a white belt. And you, you, you think sometimes, oh man, this poor guy is going to get murdered today. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. But you see those guys grow and yeah. they thrive. I mean, you are a great example. You were very mellow at first. Mm. You know? mm -hmm. Excellent, you know, good learner, very quiet. Once you hit the late blue, early purple stages, mm -hmm. you became an animal, you know? <laughs> I see guys, you know, uh, half yeah. in a puff and trying to roll with you. Yeah. And you're not really so intense in your rolling. Mm -hmm. But you're very technical. You got your strength from yoga or whatever. Mm -hmm. You have a great concept of Jiu-Jitsu all around. Hmm. and this is like excellent watch you know uh, on any student man well thank you for the compliment i appreciate that you know i as you're as you're saying that i i'm realizing that 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 tracks very in a very real way with things that were happening inside of me as a person um i came from a personality that i think got taken advantage of quite a bit because i'm i'm the nice guy i'm the guy who is willing to go the extra mile for somebody, let others go first, serve others. And, you know, while I think that has its place in society, and I think those are a lot of great traits to have, I was learning about myself, Costa. And I think I, I, this is one of the things that drew me to martial arts and specifically jujitsu is that it empowered me. And it took me to a place where I kind of got tired of taking everybody's shit. And I, I started realizing that I have technique and I have an understanding of the fight. And it's time for me now to apply it, not to just lay here and be under side control for five minutes and stall and be passive. It's time for me now to impose my game on someone else. And so there was a real mental process alongside the physical process. Yeah, you know, if you're this purple belt as yourself, and you don't achieve that level, mm -hmm. you know, this switch, you know, right. this mentality change, yeah. then you're wasting your time with your Jiu-Jitsu. Interesting. Right? Yeah. It's as, as great lifestyle as it is, yeah. and we all enjoy going there for the social part. Yeah. It comes a time that when you turn a purple belt, you got to be the king of the mud, basically. You have mm. to be feared. Mm. You know? Not just feared because you're big, strong, whatever, but everybody knows that they have to match your technique if they want to stay there those six minutes of sparring with you right. yeah. around. Yeah. And I see that a lot lately and I, I love it. I love every minute. What um, would you say it was like for you as a purple belt? Was that a, was that a fun promotion for you? And what were your purple belt days like? I, first of all, I was disappointed. I thought I did not worth being a purple belt. I'm like, really? oh man, it's too early. No, the belt yeah. grows on you. And at the time, mm. I had great sparring partners. And once I got the idea, as a purple belt, I was in the best shape ever, mm -hmm. jiu wise mm -hmm. I watched what I was eating, you know, my weight was spot on, my technique was there, and I was tearing it. Yeah. People would did not want to roll with me. <laughs> you know, I was the lightest yeah. that I ever been in jiu -Jitsu. Yeah. I was under 180, and I was just... Fearless, you know, mm -hmm, I was just mm -hmm. going in for the kill and I competed the most, I think, uh, late blue belt, early purple belt uh, stages mm -hmm. before the serious injuries start keeping me down. Mm -hmm. We have to mention the injuries too, yeah. because if you're a family man as myself, 
then you have kids to get to take care. You have a job you have to go yeah. to, a mortgage to pay. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I felt guilty coming home, facing my wife and limping. You know, it was like, <laughs> oh, man. And, and she, she always supported me. Always supported sure. me. You know, I'm not yeah. going to say she didn't. Yeah. But I was like, oh, man, what was going to happen if this ACL that I just tore, I can't fix it like in six months from now. I mean, I have to keep the job. Yeah. I have to keep moving. I have to do a lot of things. Yeah. So that also play, you know, into the, your mental Mm-hmm. As you train jujitsu, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm glad I didn't stop. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I got encouraged a lot at home, and I'm glad I got encouraged a lot at the academy mm-hmm. to continue. You know, at a different level. Yeah, I'm, I'm really. I was really fortunate. I think mm-hmm. these days, when I go back to the Gracie Academy or the Gracie University, as it is now, mm-hmm. and I meet all my old compadres, you know, all mm-hmm. the doctors who sit around. There's not too many. There's like maybe a handful mm-hmm. or maybe a little more than a handful. Sure. Six or seven that we stuck around discussing how, what we went through and how many students, fellow students we lost yeah. in the quit mm-hmm. at the blue belt level or even sometimes at the purple belt. Yeah. You know, they didn't have an in them, you know, and they, they start seeing themselves not worthy. You know, they hit the plateau as we call. Mm-hmm. And they got discouraged, and nobody ever was able to encourage them enough to continue. Mm-hmm. You know, some of us, me, myself included, I was very uh, fortunate to be constantly encouraged yeah. not to quit. Yeah. Uh, as a brown belt, it was the, the hardest thing for me to stay in Jiu-Jitsu, I think. You know? mm. I had Mario, I had Robert. These guys really encouraged me. Mm-hmm. You know, they, 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 they help me see the value I have and what I can offer. Wow. Not just as a, as a student, but as a teacher. Yeah. Uh, down in Solana Beach or anywhere else. Mm-hmm. You know, and at home also, I got excellent encouragement. Mm-hmm. I'm very grateful, you know, to this day for this encouragement. Yeah. It really helped me. Yeah. It really helped me go to the next step, the next stage, and make it to black belt. Yeah. Um, of course, you know, like I said, injuries. Injuries follow you. If you enter any martial art or any intense sport and you're not realistic about injuries and what they're going to do to you, all, you know, mentally and physically, make you kill yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, I came from a yoga background. <laughs> it was basically all I did for acting. I mean, yoga and like high intensity workouts at home. And, and when I started doing jujitsu, I was shocked at how often I felt aches and pains. It was, it was a new concept to me because doing yoga all those years, I just never felt better. I felt strong. I felt agile. I felt ready for anything. And then I started doing jujitsu and I'm like, why does my leg not want to work today? <laughs> it was tough. You, you said something about owning the belt uh, that, that resonated with me. And I remember getting my purple belt and feeling I remember the feeling as a blue belt feeling like, you know, my purple belt's so far away. Uh, it's not, you know, I, it's not even, you know, the belts for me, I, I learned early on from many different sources that talked about, you know, you don't do jujitsu for the belts. And so that was an easy concept for me to accept early on in the process, even as a white belt. Um, I'm not doing this for the belt, but I do remember a distinct moment as a purple belt when I got promoted by Joel, I remember thinking distinctly, well, I don't feel I'm ready for it. I mean, why, why, you know, like a purple belt, I'm not ready. But I also in the same moment said, you know what, if Joel thinks that I'm ready for purple, then it would almost be an insult to him if I said anything about I'm not ready yet, or no, this is too early. It would almost be insulting, I felt like, to the instructor, to my instructors, who um, obviously consulted each other and talked about it and determined that I was ready to receive my purple belt. And so I remember in that moment having that kind of con- um, that conflict, that conversation going on in my head, like, wait, I'm not ready for purple, but then also feeling like, okay, it's time for me to own it. I need to own this belt. And this will probably now propel me 
to do better because now I don't want to let my instructors down. I don't want to let my teammates down. I don't want my teammates to look around and be like, why does Leon have a purple belt? He's in his purple belt. So I think in, in a way there's that, that sense of um, accountability, right? You get promoted yes. to a belt and your instructors are communicating to you. They're telling you you're ready. And even if you don't see it in yourself, I think there's an element of just having to own it and, and not apologize for it and not tell your friends in the locker room, nah, it's too early. I just shouldn't, I don't know. You know, I, I, don't, I don't think there's a place for that. I think you need to own it. And I think you need to then look at your game and what you need to fix and go after it. Yeah. I mean, I remember you and I having a talk mm -hmm. after your promotion. Because yeah. I saw a little disappointment and fear <laughs> in your face. Yeah, absolutely. The, the start of the sparring class. <laughs> I remember trying to encourage you because I didn't know what was the problem. And then you say, you know, purple, purple, I don't know. Yeah. Are you kidding me? But <laughs> <laughs> you, then who? Seriously. Yeah. yeah. Plus, you, 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 you get it. Eventually, you'll get it. We've all been there. We it's have a all part been of the, the stage. Yeah. Yeah. It's a part of the game. You have to expect that at some feeling. point you're going to get a promotion to the next level. Um, even if you're not in it for the belts, I think you have to expect that you're going to progress. If you're showing up, you're doing the work, you're going to progress and people are going to notice and, and award you your next level when that time comes. What was your favorite promotion for you? What belt was your favorite? Blue, for sure. Blue. Hmm. I was, you know, I thought blue was so far away mm -hmm. that compared me with the other guys, there was no way yeah. I would ever achieve blue. Yeah, you know? yeah. Blue came really fast, really quick to me. Yeah, uh, six I months. And I was, yeah, actually less than six months. Yeah. I remember the day. I remember the day. Mm. <laughs> it was Horin here and Henner on the mm -hmm. downstairs room watching me spar. Uh... I don't remember the name of the uh, the guy, but anyway. And then Horton said, "Okay, you gotta go for it now. Let's see it. Let's see what you're gonna do." You know, I was mm -hmm. like at the bottom. Yeah. I was like the bottom. You know, laying on the bottom. Yeah. Counter. You know, I was mm -hmm. a counter attacking kind of guy all the time. Yeah. And then I really just clicked, and I came mm -hmm. around, and I threw a couple of excellent techniques. Mm -hmm. Apparently, <laughs> you know, uh, and I won that sparring match. And then, you know. Was this against another blue belt or? Yeah. Yeah. It was another, I guess another white belt. Oh, of course. I was, I was starting blue belts at the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know? But that white belt, you know, it was about the same level with me. Yeah. And I think, I believe that now that I think about it, that they were trying to promote him. <laughs> 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 but he lost to me. <laughs> came over to me with a blue belt and said, there you go, congratulations. Wow. And I was ecstatic. I had like family dinner here. We went out for drinks and everything. It was like celebrating like for a week. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was just <laughs> opening the closet, looking at the belt. I'm like, it's still there? Yeah. <laughs> I, I still have that blue belt. You know, yeah. I was very excited. Yeah. You know, yeah. once you get that belt, mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's proving ground. You have to really prove yourself. Sure. And back in the day, when I got my purple belt, there were not too many purple belts going around. Mm -hmm. You could not get a purple belt that easy. They have to really be noticed, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't say this thing changed now. I'm just saying back then it was like, nah, no one ever gets purple belt ever. Wow. So, so <laughs> it that's was like four purple belts. That was like a big uh, milestone then yeah. to make it a purple. It was. That was, I was just scared as a purple belt. I'm like, why do I get a purple belt now? Wow. I mean, I don't feel that I'm that good. You know, yeah. what's going on? You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the brown belt came easy. Mm -hmm. Brown belt, it was something, you know, you, you just, you see yourself moving to a brown belt level. You stand very well against other brown belts. Mm. You give a little hard time to black belts, you know, and you don't tap that easy anymore. Mm -hmm. And, you know, brown belt was expected. And like I said, again, though, as brown belt, I hit a plateau and I stay like a four-year brown belt okay. before I get my black belt. Yeah. It was really hard. Was there a moment and that you knew? Black belt at you my age? Get, yeah. I, I thought that, you know, this promotion day or the next event, I'm going to mm -hmm. get my belt, you know, and I was yeah. right, you know, I got it. Yeah. Uh, as a black belt, you know, you turn the black belt, 
a guy my age, I have nothing to prove. <laughs> what I'm <laughs> yeah. going to do? Yeah. I'm not going to go compete and embarrass anyone. Although I like competition, mm-hmm. I'm not going to, you know, uh, you know, challenge the world champion, mm-hmm. you know, and lose and get disappointed. I'm just a black dog now. I put my time. I'm still a student of the art. Yeah. I try to be as good as instructor as possible and mentor and encourage others. Mm-hmm. You know, and I see everything clear now. I mean, it's like the technique is so clear now. Everything I see, uh, shortcomings or I see like uh, the genius, Jiu-Jitsu guys, you know, come around. I can see everything. It's yeah. like starting over, but now I have a better perspective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of what's going on and as always i'm very grateful every time i step on the mat right every time i step on the mat i feel very lucky mm-hmm. and very grateful you know yeah i'm not very religious <laughs> but that's the time <laughs> to say thank you guys I made it. one more day one more day in and out of the mat perfect yeah yeah what does keep you going today um you know is it is it something that you know, I feel like with, with everybody who trains jujitsu, there's something that, that just becomes a part of, it becomes a part of you. But for each of us, there are kind of different reasons that we like to train jujitsu. Is it the puzzle, the challenge, the physical aspect of it, the community? What would you say keeps you going the most with jujitsu? Well, there's a lot to be learned, you know. There's a lot mm-hmm. for me to learn. And there's a lot, a lot of techniques to pass on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have nothing else, really. I mean, you know, <laughs> what else am I going to do? I'm not playing chess. You know, I don't do anything else. We have some war, you know, guys, most guys are 5'4", they're surfers. Mm-hmm. Right? They have something to go to. Yeah. Other than Jiu-Jitsu. I don't do surfing. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know why. You know, maybe I tried a couple of times and it was fine. It wasn't as good as other stuff, you know. And yeah. you become really awkward. You're like, what else am I going to do? Yeah. You know? Work, training, home, <laughs> basically, <laughs> that's the routine, you know, mm-hmm, something mm-hmm. to eat, you know, a family days, you know, we sit down with the family, but there's nothing else. Yeah. Jiu-Jitsu is a lifestyle. Yeah. You learn to live that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would love to do something else, like, you know, I don't know, parachuting, you know, or <laughs> flying a plane. Yeah. But I never put as much effort in anything else other than Jiu-Jitsu and work. Yeah. You know? After family, basically, that's the only things I do. Yep. And most of my friends, the structure of my friends changed from, you know, guys I knew from work and go out for drinks to Zizitsu guys, basically. Yeah. yeah. That we go out for acai after training, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a vegetarian sandwich. <laughs> I'm not vegetarian, but that's what yeah. the guys eat. What I'm going to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Somebody asked me, what, I mean, do you have a bar, a neighborhood bar that you go to? And I thought about it. I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I did, but I don't hang, you know, out in bars. Yeah. I mean, I only go out with family. Yeah. Or with Jiu-Jitsu guys. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So instead of knowing where all the bars are, you know where all the acai places are. Yes, we are amazing. I don't even need to locate them on Google. You know, I know where are you at. All right, two blocks out. That's awesome. Well, Costa, this has been a great conversation. I've really enjoyed chatting with you today, and um, I've really enjoyed having you as an instructor and a mentor in, uh, you know, on the mats and in life. Um, you know, as you kind of mentioned there too, there's this. Um, you know, community element of jujitsu. And, and I look back and I realize that, you know, in some of my toughest times in this life, um, my jujitsu club has been there for me. My crew has been there for me. Um, and so you were certainly one of those guys, certainly always, um, you know, willing to give advice, whether it's, you know, in life or in jujitsu. Um, oh, and that reminds me before we sign off here, I have to, I have to share the one thing that you shared with me that has stuck to me this day that I will never forget. And I think actually kind of changed the way I did jujitsu. It definitely changed the way I did jujitsu. At some point as a blue belt, you saw me in the locker room with a, with a set of those, um, you know, with a headset, you know, that covers your ears, like the wrestling headset that covers your ears. And you, you said to me, you said, oh, somebody's ears hurting today. You were making fun of me. 
And I said, yeah, they were really, I couldn't even lay my head on my pillow. Like, you know, I was like complaining about how bad my ear hurt and I've never wanted cauliflower ear ever. And, uh, and so I'm complaining about my ear and all this. And you just got this serious look on, on your face and you said, stop putting your head places. It shouldn't be. And in that moment, I said, it was like, it all became clear to me. I'm like, you're right. I'm putting my head places. It shouldn't be. I'm getting triangled. Um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm doing foolish things as a practitioner of the art that's putting my head in the wrong places. And um, so from that day forward, I was always very conscious of where my head was. And um, I don't have, I don't have cauliflower ear. I you were and my ear say, you know, that I, I told you, I thought you were going to say, I told you don't eat yellow snow. But that's my second best advice. So. I mean, that's a close second for sure. <laughs> no, but yeah, you've always provided real great insight to the game of jujitsu, um, you know, and as a, as a person, as a guy who's also a dad going through a lot of things in life. And uh, I've always appreciated uh, your friendship and your advice. Uh, in all these aspects. So, Costa, thank you, and thank you for being with me today. Likewise. Likewise, man. All right, man. Thank you for inviting me, likewise. Uh, I feel very fortunate to know you, and uh, again, thanks for inviting me to uh, this nice interview. I appreciate it. Of course, man. You're awesome. Keep up the good work, and we'll talk soon, all right? Thank you, Leon. Take care, Costa.